Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today, Arielle and I are sitting down with Olympic medalist Caroline Burkle. I first met Caroline a few years back at this really awesome retreat where she was a guest speaker and from then on out have been the biggest Caroline fan there could ever be. We talk so authentically and genuinely about what it's like to give ourselves permission to be ourselves, our true selves, not what society thinks we should be, what our coach says we should be, our family or anything else what it means to love and own all parts of ourself and move forward through life with that. We also talk about the freedom that there is in structure. We talk about being driven by curiosity and what serves me and what doesn't, how to kind of draw that line and how to act in alignment with that understanding. Today's episode was absolutely incredible, and I have linked all of the ways in the show notes to get a hold of Caroline. And while you're in the show notes, you're already in the app store, go ahead and download the NC Fit app. With four different tracks, seven days a week, you have a coach, a workout program, and motivation in your pocket all the time. Download it, leave it a five-star rating and review, and leave this show a five-star rating and review so we can keep getting guests like Caroline for the show. Until next week, enjoy. Welcome back to another Women Make Waves podcast. We are here today with Caroline Burkle, Olympic medalist, co-founder of Rise Athletes and artist. So needless to say, we've probably got tons of waves being made here today. So Caroline, we're super excited to have you, and we love to kick off the show by asking the very question, how are you making waves? <laughs> and here comes my unconventional answer. <laughs> um, well, first off, thank you for having me on. Um, the first thing that always comes to mind for me is something more abstract versus saying the things that I'm doing concretely. So for me lately, I feel like my curiosity has just completely skyrocketed into another orbit. And I've got all of these questions and, and thoughts and feelings about literally everything. And I feel like that has been driving me, you know, driving my why, driving my reasoning for doing what I do with my business, driving my, um, curiosity in general for where I want to live, where I want to be, what I want to be doing. It's like this huge overhaul. So right now I feel like that's been really making waves in my life because it has, and hopefully the lives of others, because it, it lights me up. Like when I want to, um, yeah, my, like when I feel curious, when I live in that space of curiosity, I am not just working, sleeping, eating, you know, working out, <laughs> doing the things that are like so concrete for me. Um, so yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> what is, I know you're talking about where you want to live and how you want to train and all these different things. What is one rabbit hole your curiosity has led you down lately? Well, I've, I've just started to sit back and realize that um, my life has been so incredibly structured. And which is amazing. And it's gotten me really far, but from a young age, you know, you essentially have this job that is your sport 
and every hour of the day has been calculated out for me. Even when I started a business, it's like completely calculated out to the T exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And I've been recognizing that I like it. I like structure. I want to keep structure in my life, but there's so much out there in the world that is also um, structured. You have freedom within a structure. And I'm seeking that. I'm seeking to have a community to make an impact in to where, you know, I'm not driving 45 minutes everywhere. It's like you have this like community and you can walk everywhere. And, and these types of feelings come up for me because I, I just, I feel like there's so much that you can cultivate and create connection wise that isn't so forced uh, and structured to every minute of the day. And I seek that. I don't know what that is yet. I don't know if that's living in Colorado or Ohio or somewhere, somewhere that's like, you've got a house and a yard and you have a community that you can make a bigger impact in versus feeling like you're just keeping up all the time. Like that is what I'm craving. And it's been, it's been a journey to realize that I think, because you feel like you're failing. If you know that, that, thought creeps in. Oh, if I stop keeping up with the Joneses, if I move out of this area, if I lose track of, of, you know, keeping up with what's going on in the world right here in Los Angeles, like, am I failing? Am I failing if I'm not in an environment like that? So that's been really driving that. And it drives my creativity and it drives my why, and it drives like, what, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And that's very expansive. It's an expansive place to live. And I think um, yeah, I don't like doing what everybody else does. <laughs> so I like to expand my mind in that way, but that's the rabbit hole I'm on right now. It's like, what's the actual goal here? Like, what, what am I doing here? What's the, what's the why? Um, totally hear that. That was a big thing. Um, just even you talking about, you know, like what happens if I move out of LA, what does that mean? That was such a big thing for me when I moved from New York to California originally was this like change of identity and almost this loss kind of of identity, right? Because like I'm a New Yorker, like that is a very strong, people in New York are very strong in that identity. And for you, like I'm curious to know how, and this is going to get a little deep and so sorry, we're kicking it off this way, but like how do you identify yourself? Oh gosh, that question keeps me up at night still. And I would say keeps me up in a good way because I seek this different experience out of my life than to just be Caroline the athlete, Caroline the Olympian, Caroline, you know, like these titles that are smacked on you at such a young age by society. And that's okay. Like, you know, it got me, like you have to buy into that identity in a lot of ways in order to succeed in order to do what you want to do. But what's the balance there? Like what's the actual um, balance between knowing that you can be extremely successful and also know who you are as a human being. And whenever I'm asked the question on any podcast or any sort of conversation, like how do you identify yourself? My answer is always, I don't have an answer because I don't have like a box that I fit in or like a, 
I don't like titles. I don't like, like feeling like there's a, you know, entrepreneur, athlete, Olympian. Like I cringe when I have to write those words down somewhere. Like I just, cause I know they're the reality of it. I know I have achieved a pinnacle of sport. I know I've started a business. Um, I know I'm an artist and, and all these things. And it's awesome to claim that, but I always wonder what box does that put me in? And do I identify with all of them? Yes. Do I want to become attached to them? No. So it's like, I want to feel like I can, um, live and breathe and swim in that space, but not become that entire identity of like, this is who I am. And that's it. That is all I am. Um, yes, I think, I think I'm a seeker of a lot of, a lot of those experiences, which can be very unconventional for the world I'm in. There's a very strict, yeah, strict like identities that we have to have. For listeners that aren't familiar, can you kind of paint the picture of the world that you're in and, and how those titles can be so, such importance and also feel like, I don't want to say not an integrity, but not feel like the whole self. Yeah. So ever since I was a little girl, I really, you know, it all comes back to me, especially when I have these conversations, it all comes back to me, but my mom even talks about it. She was like, you didn't like saying what you accomplished or saying what you were doing. So, you know, I grew up in a world of athletics and loved it, like still love it, work in the field, like absolutely love it. And the title is you are a swimmer. You are an athlete. That's who you are. That's what you do. That is, I mean, you know, I'm not saying any one person ever said this, but it's like, that's what you're good for. That's what you're talented at. That's what you need to do. And then when you're done with that thing, you need to make sure that everybody knows what you did and leverage that, like leverage that space. You're an Olympian, leverage it. You're an athlete, leverage it. Like you need to talk about it. You need to speak about it. You need to hold your medal up high and like walk around and show everybody. And that's the message we're given. That's the message we were given. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But I somehow had something wrong, like not wrong with it, but I somehow didn't resonate with that. Like I didn't resonate with waving my arm in the air and being like, this is what, this is who I am. I was, it took me like five years after the Olympics to even be like, I have an Olympic medal. Like I, I had a really hard time when people would say, they'd introduce me like, this is my friend. She's an Olympian. I would be like, oh my gosh, like I have a name I have, you know, and I would get really sensitive to that. And I didn't understand why. And now I do because it's, yes, it's humble feelings, but also it's this feeling of like, I'm still wanting to understand what else I have to offer this earth and this planet and these people here. And so, um, I think that's the beauty of what we've created with the business that I have, which is mentorship for youth athletes and, um, you know, led by Olympians, Paralympians, all the, all the titles led by these people, because everyone is building each other up internally to know who they are as a human being as well. And not just slapping titles on us left and right as our worth. And so, um, yeah, and that's, that's just kind of the roundabout way of, of saying that, but that's, that's something that I really had a hard time with. And I always felt very wrong for that. Like I needed to feel sorry for that. Like, 
you know, you know, um, and it's an interesting phenomenon to think about Olympians now, like so many of my peers that just went to Tokyo or Rio, like they get back. And the first thing they say is like, I just want to breathe. Like, I just want to soak this in and I have to go meet the mayor, get the key to the city, speak at three different events, like do all these things. And it's amazing. And we're so grateful. Like nothing changes that, but it's just this feeling of like, how can I understand my own experience for what I want it to be as well as like trying to make it for everybody else. And that goes for anything I would imagine in life, you know, whether it's jobs or childbirth or marriages or whatever, like, how can I make this about what I want to make it about and not just like putting on this show for everybody else. So that's the space I live in still and the space that I think is, is a lifelong journey for any sort of, experience that you have that's such a high totally i'm curious what questions you're asking yourself or what practices you have to start becoming okay with that because you were saying before like you named i felt guilty for i guess not feeling grateful enough that i have this medal and i should want to meet the mayor i should like I call it shitting on yourself, right? Like <laughs> you're shitting all over yourself of like how you should feel about this title and, and this accomplishment or accomplishments. And how did you give yourself the permission to seek out, you know, the greater meaning of who you are? Yeah. Oh, permission. Have you all listened to Rich Roll's podcast with David Cho? Yeah. After your post on it. Yeah, I was just <laughs> blown away. And they talked about permission for like half an hour at one point, because that is something that a lot of high achievers wait for as well. Like, when do I have permission to be me? And we don't even, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I certainly don't want to speak for everyone, but I know for me, it's kind of, of this feeling of like, when will it be okay for everyone else for me to do what I want to do or to be who I want to be. Um, so I'm just going to go down a tangent here for a second. I think a lot of what we learn, and I'm again, generalizing this, but I think it's pretty safe to say that every woman in her thirties grew up in a different world. Like there was no, it's just a different world straight up. Like there's no one to blame, you know, like, yes, I had my, my traumas during my later years of my teens and everything, but it's, there's no one to blame, but there's also like, it was this societal norm to sit down, be quiet, obey, please make sure you're doing everything correctly and properly. And there was a big difference between um, you know, uh, yeah, like do everything properly, people please. And then, you know, well, I just want you to be great. Like, I just want you to succeed. Like those, those things weren't said to me. It was just like, you know, you need to just do what I say. And that's, that's it. And that was society. That was a message that we received across the board in school systems in you know, sports and from media, from the news, from whatever it was like, that's sort of the message that a lot of women received. And I've been unpacking that for the past 
just, I'm just now to a point where I feel so solid in that experience. But for the past, like three years prior to this, I was working with a somatic practitioner on how to release this stuff from my system because I was holding on to so much crap from my life that was holding me back in so many ways that I couldn't even identify. I couldn't even understand. But once I got to the root of that, I was doing all of these things just to be accepted and loved and just to be uh, made sure, you know, to please others and to make sure that I was making everyone happy. So much shame came up and, you know, and I couldn't have imagined understanding this any other way than working with somebody. And that's really the thing that has helped and changed me. Like that's the main practice that I have implemented over the past couple of years. All the journaling in the world's amazing. All of the walks in the world, the fitness, the things that I can do to move energy through my body, the conversations with friends, my, my mom, you know, just different things like that are incredible, but there's just so much to be said about finding a person that you can really trust to unpack your beliefs and why you think the way you think. And that made all the difference for me because it was hell the first year. <laughs> like, I don't think I went through one session every week, twice a week without sobbing my eyes out and just like anger and, you know, but it, it helps because you have to move this through or else you're not recognizing it for what it is. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, and I probably sound so negative right now. Like, trust me, I've, it's, this is not a negative. This is all just parts of uncovering who you are as a human being alongside these identities that you've attached to for your worth. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of, um, have you seen a beautiful mind? Yes. I haven't seen it in so long though. So, okay. It, maybe it's at the forefront of my mind because it was one of those movies that everyone on the planet has seen and I just had never seen. So I watched it on an airplane recently because, you know, what else do I have time to do on an airplane? And there's that scene where Robin Williams is the, is his therapist. And he says, um, basically just looks at him and says, it wasn't your fault. And you see the main character go from this like hard, rigid, like walls up, won't let anyone in to just like crying and all of the emotions. And it's exactly what you were saying. Like you just need to have that reflection for someone to like Yes. Help, help you say or see your truth. And it hits you and resonates in a part of your body you didn't even know existed, or at least that was my experience with it. Um, also, Caroline, we cry pretty much every episode. So <laughs> I might start crying in this. That's fine. <laughs> it's healthy, really. Permission for tears. Um, but yeah, it's the most powerful thing to just have that reflection of somebody like validating your truth. Yeah. And it's hard. It's, it's painful. And it's also interesting the amount of confusion that goes on in those moments between how can you keep the parts of you that you really do enjoy that are really powerful and you know, driven and motivated. And then also you know, like bring those with you, but let go of the ones that don't serve you anymore. And that was a really difficult thing for me to understand. Like what parts of me are actually 
the ones I want? <laughs> like, and then what parts of me are the ones that have just been in survival mode that I need to learn how to transcend and move through and figure out if I need it or not? Like what serves me, what doesn't? And that's a really hard process as well. So for example, like give tangible things, it's like the, the, the drive, right? So I've, I've always been pretty driven. And when I finished swimming, I was like, I'm going to do all these races and all these things. And the part of me there that's driven is this innate feeling, this experience where I do enjoy getting up early and working out and doing all these things and, and adventures and whatnot. The part that doesn't serve me there is that half the time I was running away from my own issues through exercise and through trying to prove myself again through all of the different things that I was doing. And it ended up breaking my bones and causing illness and malnutrition and autoimmune stuff and all this, these things that I, that manifested in my body. So it's like, how can I bring the part that I love? Like not, you know, I don't want to sit in a corner and like stare at a wall, but I also need to figure out how to do those activities without bringing along this baggage of, I need to do this so that I'm worthy. And that was a really hard discernment. (laughs) It still is sometimes. I'm like, am I doing this because I'm running away from something? Or am I doing this because I'm running towards something? Like, I can't figure it out. I don't know that it's necessarily that clear all yeah. the time. Like, that's I true. feel like that's a question that we have all the time. But Lindsay and I, we were both like nodding incessantly because we both have gone through the same thing. You know, like we fell in love with fitness because it made us feel a certain way. And then we got kind of like wrapped up in this like comparison and this need to feel good enough. And then that turned into something negative, but it turned, it turned into something negative with something that we love. So we, we both kind of went through that same journey of like, how do I incorporate this thing that I love back into my life without all of these associations of that negative feeling? Because now you end up resenting the thing that you did. Like I loved CrossFit for so long. And then I, hated it because it made me feel so terrible, but it had nothing to do with CrossFit, right? Like it was my, it was my stuff that I was bringing along with it. So it's been that same kind of journey of like, okay, how do I rebuild this relationship in a way that's not toxic? Right. But along these, this conversation, um, one thing that I have learned very deeply this year is that the universe will only give us what we can handle in a certain moment. And for me, it was um, getting a lot of space physically, like we moved on to this ranch, but then also getting a lot of space um, schedule wise to like dive into these things that keep coming up and keep, you know, poking at you saying like, Hey, you still haven't dealt with me. You still haven't dealt with me. And I'm curious for you, you know, like, I don't know if this is like really a question that can be answered, but I'd love to know your experience around um, what you do to kind of give yourself that space to listen, because that was really hard for me. And it was really hard to, to let go of like, okay, maybe this is exactly where I'm supposed to be right now because there's shit that I need to deal with. Right. 
That's a great question, especially the space part. That's and that's why I brought up what I brought up at the beginning about like, where do I want to be in order to cultivate life where I can think and feel and not feel so trapped in this like rat race, you know? Um, I don't know that I, and I don't know that there's ever actually any answers either. You know, I try and tell my, remind myself that like, there's never like a black and white answer. It's like, this is the end all be all like, this is what you do to create space and to think about it. Of course, part of my brain wants that because I'm very results driven, <laughs> but the other parts like, no, yeah, like you can, you can have all these different feelings and thoughts and emotions about this. And I think one thing that has really helped me to carve that out is to learn how to say no. And I don't think I said no for a really long time. And, and what I did in order, like my survival mechanism, instead of just straight up owning and claiming what I needed and saying, no, I'm sorry, I am not going to do that because I'm tired or no, I'm sorry, was I would make excuses like, oh, I just, I, I just have, I have so much work to do. Oh, I just, uh, you know, and it's like, sure I did, but half the time I just, my body was yearning for rest and trying so hard to, to please everybody. I didn't want to let them down. So I needed to find a way out instead of just claiming what I needed. So saying no and, and asking for what I needed, I, you know, again, going back to the conversation about the era we were raised in, like to have needs was unheard of. <laughs> like there is no such thing as like, I need rest. I need headspace. I need to process this. Like it's, it's what? No, sack up. Let's get going. Let's do the thing. Boom, boom, boom. That's very helpful in a lot of ways, for sure. Like you got to learn how to turn it on and turn it off and figure out different times to get the job done. But at what point is it becoming a detriment if you can't understand what you need and what your threshold is for, for operating and processing and, and taking space and time to think through and figure things out? So that's definitely been my biggest thing there. Um, I think another thing was just committing to my body and healing it. And that actually forced slowdowns in a lot of ways because, you know, my blood work all comes back with autoimmune stuff, positive and all these things. And it's like the connective tissue type. So it's clearly my muscles are not recovering and, you know, all of these different things that were happening and, and it was a blessing in disguise. I was able to say, no, you know, I actually need to rest or else I'm never going to get out of this hole that I'm in. Um, so the excuses became reality, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, but I think our bodies will tell us regardless what's going on eventually. And and there's nothing to be ashamed of about that. It doesn't mean you're weak or not going to be successful. It's just a sign of what you actually do need to do to process information and to hold space for yourself. Arielle and I call it like, have talked about this a lot, the whispers, your body will yeah. whisper and whisper and whisper for so long. And then it's like, stops you where you stand. It's like, all right, I'm yelling now. Like I tried to give you warnings and now I'm yelling. And yes. Arielle and I both had 
very similar stories. One with me with injuries, Ariel with some autoimmune stuff as well. And that forced slowdown that you were talking about really helped me reinforce my boundaries. And, and it going back to permission, it almost gave me the permission to be like, look, this is what my body needs. And this is what even the doctor is telling me my body needs. I needed all of these reasons, right? The little like my previous lawyer life of like, I need all of my evidence to be able to be like, this is why I can do this thing. And so often I talk about people, ourselves included, but put us in this box and they've labeled mine Lindsay. And so when they interact with me, they can kind of expect what is Lindsay going to say? What is Lindsay going to be wearing? What is, how is she going to act in this way? Mm. And I felt as though the second I was acting out of alignment with that box that someone else had labeled, it felt really lonely and it felt really scary to do it. I'm curious if you experienced something similar. I see you nodding your head. Yes. For sure. I, 100%. I, oh yes. The, The amount of times over the past three years that I have felt judged um, and I'll caveat this obviously by saying, of course I can create my own stories about the people are judging me, but like, I'm pretty intuitive and very like highly sensitive and I can feel it, you know, like, so I'm pretty sure it was happening in a lot of times, but the amount of times I was judged or some comments that were said to me were some, you know, things along the lines of just like, we just don't get you or we don't understand what's going on with you. Um, or we just expect it out of you now, like that I don't go out at night really or party or whatever, you know, things like that. That's like love a good time, but I needed to make sacrifices for myself during that time and for my gut and for my body and all these for sleeping, for adrenals, like everything. And I felt really um, alienated in that way. And, And it's kind of like, when people know you one way your whole life, they they don't like it when you do something different. Like people knew me as the people pleaser, as like, you know, like March should be to my own drum, free spirit. And then when I like start to change certain things and have a few more rules for myself, I mean, I've always been, you know, pretty, <laughs> well, like, goal oriented and everybody, I mean, rules as far as my body and my sleep and, you know, different things like that. Like it becomes this, well, we don't really know what she's doing. So, but you know, and it's this feeling of resentment towards me that I, that I don't know how to fix. Like I can't change that. And so that caused a lot of resistance because I like to save things and change them and make sure everyone was okay. And like, everybody needs to be happy. And, you know, and I couldn't make them happy anymore. It wasn't my responsibility. Like my responsibility was to take care of myself. And so that caused a lot there. It caused a lot of confusion. And that's like, that's where my brain goes. When you ask me that question, it's just this isolated feeling of like, I must be doing something wrong if I'm caring for myself. Mm -hmm. Like that must not be doing things for others. (laughs) anymore. And yeah, it's a, it's, it's grief. Absolutely grief. And I think that athletes are so prone to it because our entire life, right. We've been 
proving our worthiness, if you will. Totally. Like okay. I can do this fast enough or I can be this strong or my coach wants me to do this, I, you know, jump, I'm going to ask how high, right? I think it's very much programmed in us. And I remember when, I mean, I did talk therapy for years and I could sit and talk about my trauma, straight faced, nothing. Right. And then the minute it was somatic. So of course I want to bring it back and ask about that. The minute it was somatic, within 15 seconds of sitting in a session, I was like full hysterics, total tears. It was like, you know, our bodies have this deep knowing. And I think a lot of times as athletes, we have had those mantras of like, just keep going, grind through it. What like sweat is weakness leaving the body, right? To bring that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what was your somatic experience like? And how did that help get you back into your body? Oh, my first, well, not my first session, maybe my third session in somatics was pre COVID. Obviously I was in the office and, and I, so part of my, my experiences as an athlete, like toward the end, like, you know, in my college years were pretty traumatic for me. Like I dealt with some abusive situations that were not okay. And I didn't realize how much that had manifested because it was like these very um, confusing, slow drips of it versus like one incident or, you know, and so I would like put it off and just, you know, it's fine, whatever, you know, a lot, even though I was crying every other day, you know, for many years. So I didn't even realize how much that had built up in my system until this third session. And my somatic practitioner was standing across the room. She asked me to stand up and we're standing on opposite sides of the room. And she did the exercise where she would come toward me and I would have to tell her when to stop. Cause it was like, you know, like it felt like someone was like coming to attack me or, you know, something was going to happen. So she's like walking toward me and I have never like I'm a physical touch is my love language. Like somehow, some way I'm just like hugs and like, you know, I like to like hold hands with people and like put my arms out. Like I love physical touch, but it was the first time in my life. I realized that it had also manifested in this way to where when someone is coming at me with like body language or a threatening experience, like I had, I just lost it. And I completely, I was like shaking and just like, stop, 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 get away. Like, you know, and it, it dawned on me in that moment, like, oh my God, <laughs> like, you know, obviously in that moment, but on reflection of past, you know, next couple of weeks after that was just so intense for me to see how someone's body language, aggression, coerciveness, like a control over me felt like that feeling of someone angry at you, a man, a coach at whatever, and just like running towards you like that. All of these things were coming back to me. Like what is going on? It was like flooding my whole system. And that was the most that I like, that was the most powerful part for me that I had um, experienced in my whole life. I didn't realize that that was showing up for me from that day on. We worked on all sorts of things around that experience of feeling small 
and feeling controlled um, by situations or people or things. And that was the, the theme was just, you know, my dreams were so vivid. All my dreams were that giant animals were trying to attack me through my windows, like giant, like I'm talking like giraffes, the size of like, you know, like, uh, uh, movies, like from movies, like literally things from movies, like gigantic animals, just poking their nose through windows, like trying to eat me. And every dream I was running away from something like, you know, we hear about all these things, but I wasn't putting two and two together that all these things were signs that I was clearly feeling threatened by something and was in survival mode running, trying to survive from things that were not okay, frankly, at all, like just completely not okay. And so yeah, that, that was one of the most profound experiences I had. And from then I was really cracked open into this space of how can I not feel like an ant around all of this, all of the world, like that I just want to recoil and run away and be done with all of it. And so that's, that's kind of the space that really opened me up. And since then it's been amazing. Some days are easier than others. A lot of visualization. She knows that that works for me, like while breathing and things like that, shaking, vooing, vagus nerve stuff, like all sorts of things that, um, I realize are releasing from my jaw and from my system when I have this like anger and survival mode built up. So, um, I call it being unfuckwithable, yeah. like that not feeling like an ant in your life. And yeah. I'm curious for you, like, because this is such a, this is such a feeling that I think a lot of people can relate to, right? Like this really? feeling of just like shriveling under whatever that stimulus is that makes you feel like you are small and not worthy or um, not able to kind of handle it. And a lot of times it just comes down to like, we reinforce it by not taking care of ourselves. And all three of us have shared that experience, right. Of like ignoring the whispers, ignoring the whispers, ignoring the whispers until we get slapped in the face. And we're like, okay, we can no longer ignore them right. and adjusting accordingly, you know, like what we prioritize and how we take care of ourselves and how we put more emphasis on the slowdown than getting more done. Totally. And so I'm curious for you because I feel like you might be one of the best people to ask, like, what is your, what are your things that make you feel unfuckwithable in your life? It could be things that you do, like practices that you do, but also just like maybe it's things you tell yourself or um, like the little things. Like I'm thinking for me, for an example, like one of those things is going outside and I'm very lucky to be able to do this, but like going outside and hanging out with very large animals yeah. and being able to like be in that space with them and take their energy. Like that to me makes me feel unfuckwithable even though they are very much larger than I am. Right. But that's an example. So I'm, I would love to know yours. Um, I love that. Cause I'm a big feeler and I operate based on feel. And so when I'm in nature, 
I feel unstoppable, completely unfuckwithable, whether it's hiking, ocean. It's like, it, it's the only time I feel fully in flow at this point in my life. I can get in flow and work and workouts and all that, but like, that's almost so natural for me that like when I go out into nature, it's a different kind of flow that, that my body enters, not because it's so used to like, okay, you're doing sports, here's flow (laughs) or, okay, you're like focused on this, here's flow. It's like, okay, you're free in this environment. And I enter this other like dimension of flow. Um, I think Another thing that comes to mind other than nature and and feeling like there's just so much vastness to think and to feel would be just the, the general act of sharing and connecting. I think that is, and like not being rushed. So that that's a very important thing for me that allows me to feel very powerful within myself and empowered. So for an example, if I have a conversation and I really need to talk about something that's very hard for me, if I am rushed in that conversation or I feel like, okay, we have like 30 minutes, like, let's just get it done. I cannot, like, I can't think I can't process. And so it makes me feel smaller and smaller and smaller. So setting aside and, you know, X amount of time deliberate to connect and to just be able to let things out and process information my body feels so incredibly different the next day after that. Like I feel so different. It feels like inflammation has just completely come down. I don't feel like my stomach is a a rock, like of just not able to even like digest food or come into a, you know, just a chill state, parasympathetic state. I can't get there unless I'm not rushed. So that is a very empowering feeling for me that has just recently come to my consciousness of like, okay, this is something that I, that actually helps me feel very powerful and empowered. Um, cause as you know, you live on a life of a schedule and it's like, just get, get it in now. Talk about this really fast. Have a 15 minute mini- meeting here. Need to like get this off my chest here, like quickly, quickly, quickly. And it's like those things like create such resistance in me. So, um, so yes, nature. And when I don't have nature, it's like slow down and process your information in a way that works, you know, without a timeline, <laughs> just being able to talk things out. So you're saying the rat race yes. is not working anymore. Huh? It doesn't work. No. Know. What a concept. Yeah. And it's, it, that reminds me of interesting questions I've been asked lately, which I posted about a few times, but this con, you know, the conversation of, of, that parents or coaches or whomever asks me, like, can you be really successful at your sport and also chill the hell out (laughs) and like breathe? Can you do both? Like, can you, do you need to be all in or do you need to like sit at a, sit at a corner and meditate? Like what's the difference? Where's the middle ground? And it's not an either, or it's like, everything is everything. You know, you blend everything together. You find your moments, you find your ways out of the rat race. You find your ways to regulate your nervous system. You find your flow, you find your unfuckable, unfuckwithable moments. <laughs> um, and you incorporate all of them and include them in your process. It's not just like you do this or you're out. <laughs> so. Yeah. It can be the both and. Right. 
how do you so novel for people like they don't understand that they're like wait what you're not just all in it's like no yeah you are and also like you can do something else so yeah and in fact for me to be all in i also have to have this holistic view of my life put together as well so that makes me immediately think of this year's um olympic games Mm -hmm. and you know the mental health withdrawals um and people withdrawing from competition to really put their mental health first and we've talked about it on the show and with other athletes about mental health being physical health and how the two are not you know mutually exclusive so with your experience having competed in the olympics and now with your knowledge of how much the mental health side plays into that what was your take on that entire experience i thought it was incredible um i actually went through all the emotions uh, when Naomi first did it, uh, I was just like, hell yeah, (laughs) like, this is amazing. Um, I've always really liked her. I liked it when she, uh, I think I actually posted it a long time ago, like with Coco Goff and there, you know, when she had her come to the press conference with her and all these different types of things. Like, I really like her holistic approach. I think she's got a great head on her shoulders in that way, like steady. And she sees the bigger picture in a lot of ways. So I loved it. And then when Simone did it, I was like, oh my gosh, hell yeah. And then I went through a dip. And for like a couple of days, I was pissed. <laughs> like full on, I'm just going to say it so the world can hear it. I was, I was really struggling because I felt, and it had nothing to do with them. Like I was super stoked they did that. But I felt like from reflecting on my experience and reflecting on the experiences of so many of my peers. It's that grief where you're like, we needed that. Like we needed to be able to speak up. Like why couldn't we speak up? Like where was our confidence? Like why didn't we have these skills instilled in us? And so, and I really, really battled with that. And I think that many of my peers did so many of my peers did and and there were posts all about it you know the dear olympian letter that was going around and all different things because there's so many things that that you can reflect on that you just want to say well where was everyone when i needed it and taking personal responsibility why couldn't i speak up why didn't I feel comfortable enough saying I'm not doing okay? And so I think that that those couple days where I was just crying and grappling with that concept, reflecting on my experience, really allowed me to appreciate all of what was done so much more because we have come such a long way and we have been able to understand that there's more to life, that this is a springboard, a platform for so much more that the meaning of sport is shifting. You can be amazing and great and also take care of yourself. And hopefully every little girl in the world will be able to look at these, these women. And instead of saying, Oh, they quit, which may have been the answer a decade ago, if somebody did this to, Oh, they care about themselves like they're strong women speaking up and holding their truth and and also kicking ass like what a what a gift they can do all the things you know so it's that both and conversation 
again. So that's how I viewed it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, clearly it was eye-opening and it was also great for our business as far as people understanding what we do and finally understanding why we do it. Um, but yeah, it was like the highs and then the grappling with like, what could I have done better? How did I get this low and not ask for help and shame and all these things around that? And then being able to like transcend and include that into my experience now and into the experiences now of these athletes. It's incredible. It's amazing. Thank you so much for that honesty. Because yeah, I think for a hard. lot of people, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was angry totally. for a few days. Like I was really upset. Like <laughs> this is like really funny, but do you know the you know Happy Gilmore? Get in your home. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> like the thinking. point. Yeah, like the point where he was like, "Where were you on that one, dipshit?" Like that's exactly <laughs> what I felt over and over again. Like that that line was going through my head. Like, where were you guys on that one? Like, why wasn't anybody caring about us in that year? Like, why didn't anybody see the screaming people for help that we needed so badly? And where was everybody when we needed them? And that, and yes, you have to grapple with that. Like process of like anger to grief to to healing it you know like i hadn't really healed that whole co collective process of it i had focused on myself but like the collective process of like wait a minute time out where was everybody when we needed them like what what the hell <laughs> there's so many of us that have struggled for a decade and like why didn't we get the help we needed and you know it does it takes a, a system change but it also takes radical responsibility to claim your experiences like we're the ones that have to change it at the end of the day you can't rely on everybody else to do it so with Mic that drop. yeah it, it's hard it, there's a lot that comes up with that absolutely well thank you so much we can't thank you enough for being here and opening up and talking about all of these amazing things that i think right now more than ever like need to be heard especially like taking radical responsibility for yourself and your life um and so if people want to continue following you on your journey and keeping up with all of the amazing things that you're doing where can they find you so i actually only have well i have all the platforms but i'm most active on instagram taking more breaks now than usual because social media can be exhausting yeah um but I also have Facebook synced up and um, our website. I have a personal website, carolineberkel.com. My Instagram is Caro Berkel. Uh, and then our Rise website is rise-athletes.com. So those Amazing. are my main <laughs> Thank you so much again for being here. This was such a fun, inspiring, um, exciting, tear-jerking, I don't know. I could keep going, but thank you. Thank you again. Thank you both for having me. This was awesome.